Thanks for tuning into our podcast. We love having you here, and it's our mission to bring you all the latest and greatest tips, skills, and know-how to make you the best that you can be. We know that you have it in you, and we're going to show you how. Now, now, let's get started. Well, hi again, everybody, and welcome back to Anti-Bullying 101. These podcasts are designed to create awareness about the bullying epidemic and provide teachers, administrators, parents, and even students information about the dangers of bullying and why we just have to take a comprehensive approach when dealing with this problem. My name is Jim Burns. I'm your host. I'm a retired high school administrator with over 40 years of experience in education. Currently, I'm a college instructor and I've designed the Bullyproof Classroom, a graduate course that provides my students with permanent help, not temporary relief, as they battle the bullying epidemic. Today, we're going to be talking a little bit more about some of the stuff that has just caused us to drink the Kool-Aid and has led us us down this path of least resistance and maybe some real problems that we have to take a look at with our young people going forward. Well, hi again. You know, I want to share one thing here, if I may. Excuse me. I'm not a doctor. Well, I am a doctor. I was awarded a doctorate degree for the work that I did in um, bullying and anti-bullying. But I'm not a medical doctor. So I don't understand, you know, everything there is to know about, I mean, I have high blood pressure myself. I take a pill that keeps it low. How it works, I couldn't tell you. I can tell you a little bit about how Ritalin works, but, you know, really, you know, I can go over it for educational purposes. I believe there are two different types of research that we do. One of them is empirical research where we sit for days, weeks, hours, sometimes years, gathering statistics and information from the literature to formulate a theory or a philosophy that we're going to use going forward. And we write a book on it, and maybe it gets recognized by other people, and they start using it, and so on. Then you have empirical... uh, Then you have... Experiential opinion. Experiential opinion is is our observations that we make while we're in the field. It's almost action research, but we we're looking at things and we're drawing conclusions based upon what we observe and what we've seen over the years. And this is kind of where I come in. 
I don't question empirical research, but certainly I don't question my experiential observations and what I've experienced and conclusions that I've drawn because they become my private logic going forward and how I'm going to deal with a problem. Now, the title of this podcast was supposed to be We've Medicalized Education. And we have. We have. We've definitely done that. And, you know, the the idea was you give the kid a pill who's having a behavior problem, having an attention problem. Now we're giving kids pills for just about everything, anxiety, depression. They have pediatric Prozac. They have a lot of different medications that we use. But we lose sight of the fact that you, you can't grow a conscience. And even though the medication may quell the feeling of depression or anxiety, the mind still works in a certain way, which is why some kids seek revenge, why some kids continue to bully, and why some kids are just deviant. You can't grow a conscience. And that's important to know. And that's kind of where I sit with this. I look at this and say, medication is going to tune up a kid's brain. You see, years ago, you didn't have ADHD or ODD. They weren't invented yet. Or, you know, some people, it wasn't an available condition. So the kids that we had with these behavior problems, we didn't even look to medication. We looked to get them out so they didn't interfere with the education of the other kids. And when you look at this and you take it out several years, what you find is the folks who did basically relied on medication to deal with an emotion or deal with a feeling or deal with impulsivity or deal with a lot of different things, once they move forward in life, if there wasn't any consequences associated with their behavior, like I said, you can't grow a conscience. So if they had any deviance in them as a kid, it has grown as they become adults. And this is kind of where I'm at right now. Because the deviant behaviors that we see in schools are slowly leaking out into our culture. 20 years ago, when we experienced Columbine High School, the concern that I had, and I even made people aware of it, was that this is going to leak out into the colleges. And it wasn't long after we had Virginia Tech and other college shootings and so on. And it does, because the behaviors, when they're not dealt with at a young age become far more intense as kids get older and they become adults. Now, with this in mind, I'd like to talk to you about two people, Thomas Gilbert Sr. and Thomas Gilbert Jr. Now, let me just upfront you real quick. Thomas Gilbert Jr. shot Thomas Gilbert Sr. in 2015 in the head. 
Yes, that was his father who he shot. He blew his brains out right in the living room of his house. And the, the mom of this kid, this, first of all, Thomas Gilbert Jr. is an Ivy League grad, 34 years old. The parents, not working, the parents had him set up in an apartment, paid for his trips to Europe, took care of him, basically, gave him $3,000 a month. His father didn't retract his allowance. He merely cut it and said, you got to go get some psychiatric help or I'm going to cut your allowance. The mother is home with the dad. Thomas Gilbert Jr. shows up and says to mom, Hey, would you go out and get me a sandwich and a Coke? Can you imagine? 34 years old, he comes to the house and he asks the mother to go get him a sandwich and a Coke. Why didn't he bring it with him? I mean, obviously he had some motive there, but the bottom line is, who in the world, 34 years old? What we're experiencing here is this sense of entitlement that has just run amok and it is part of the an older generation now. You have guys that are 40 years old sitting home playing video games at their parents' house. So he says, go out and get me a uh, sandwich and a Coke. So she goes out, she gets him the sandwich and the Coke. Now, Thomas Gilbert Sr., when she gets home... They find the guy dead on the floor with a gunshot wound to the head. Mother's comment, Tommy was far sicker than we ever really knew. Now, there was a piece in the New York Post where the mother said, I knew he was nuts, but I didn't think he was this nuts. This kid had an entitlement mentality. It ran amok. He started to take advantage of his parents and the fact that they had a lot of money. They set him up in an apartment. They sent him to Europe. They did everything for him. They, and they discovered that he had some form of anxiety and depression and mental illness. Now, is it possible, once again, I'm not a doctor, is it possible that this entitlement mentality, this just the... the uh, the infantilism of this boy who's 34, he's a man now, constantly caring for him. What type of logic do you think he's starting to form in his own head? And if you think that medication is going to help this guy, you're wrong because this was a premeditated murder of his father. And we have to begin to take a look at 
what's going on here? This happened in 2015 and it's just going to court now, just going to trial now. He shows up and he asks his mother to go out and fetch him a sandwich and a Coke. She comes home five minutes later and the, and the, the father's dead on the floor. The mother is the prosecution's key witness, star witness, and she's got to testify against her own son. And, of course, they're saying that he's just so mentally ill. And he is. But what I want to know is, all of that entitlement, all of that entitlement, all of the the giving, this guy, and by, by the way, by the way, he's an Ivy League graduate. He graduated from Princeton University, which tells you something, tells you he's pretty smart. The mother makes a comment where she says, my son, he's nuts, but I didn't know he was this nuts. Well, what? Where, where do you draw the line? You're nuts, but I didn't know you were this nuts. This nuts meaning I didn't know you were nuts enough to go kill your old man. I want to know what came first, all that entitlement or did he become mentally ill? Did he start to believe that being responsible as an adult was too much work for him and he became depressed? Because it is a lot of work being an adult. And it's something that we have to make kids aware of. You could have a child grow up and say, you know, I don't like the fact that I got to go to work. That only happens when parents do too much for that kid. And when they do do too much, when they start to get a little bit older, they can't do things for themselves. And once again, we believe that medication is going to solve the problem. And I'll go right back to it. You can't grow a conscience. And the only way you make people responsible is with solid consequences. And if you don't use a consequence associated with their behavior, by default, you agree with the behavior. Now, think about it for a minute. Just think for a second in terms of all the things, maybe as a parent, you know, that you do for your kids. All of them. The kid gets through eating dinner. At what age do you say, take your dish to the sink? At what age do you start saying to your children, you have to make your bed? At what age do you have them fold their own laundry? At what age do you have them contribute to the household chores like cleaning and raking the yard and and that type thing? You do it at any age and Everything can be done at an age-appropriate level. 
we have drank the Kool-Aid and we have begun to believe that by taking care of our children, we do everything for them. If you do everything for them, they're going to have a hard time figuring things out when mom and dad aren't around. And if mom and dad are around, and then all of a sudden you pull the rug out from under them and you stop giving them money, you stop bailing them out, you, st- you stop letting them live in your house, if there's any sense at all of anger or rage or bitterness associated with what you did to them, you end up with people like Thomas Gilbert Jr. You can't grow a conscience. You do, you do things for your children and you teach them how to do for themselves. It's that simple. And it doesn't matter if they do things perfectly. A bed that gets made by a five-year-old is far different than a bed that gets made by a 15-year-old. Laundry that gets folded by a five-year-old is different than a 15-year-old. The problem is we don't like the way the five-year-old does it. So what we do is we take it away from them. We do it for them. Or another thing that happens is we ask them to do something. They don't do it. There's no consequence. We get sick of asking and then we end up doing it on our own. You know what happens then? We become resentful because everybody's inside when we're out raking leaves. Everybody's watching TV when we're cleaning the house. Then we get upset. Then we start yelling at them. And then we call our kids lazy. They're not lazy. They're only responding to the, to the, um, to the idea that you're doing it. And you never started to show me how to do stuff when I was five years old. Don't drink that Kool-Aid. A kid that's five years old, get them to do stuff. Anything. Feed the dog. Anything. Get them involved with certain chores. Now, in this kid's case, the parents had, and I'm talking about Thomas Gilbert Jr., they had plenty of money. And sometimes it's easier to do things for a kid than to teach them how to do it on their own. Because it's too much work to teach them. What might happen when you're teaching them how to do something? You build a relationship with them, which is not a bad idea by today's standards. Now, do you know why parents wring their hands when they're getting ready to send their kid to college? And they're going to live on campus? Because they know, way down deep, in the chambers of their own soul, that they haven't prepared them to live alone. And they're worried. But, when the kids do go to college, guess what? They survive. You know why? They figure it out on their own. Because they have to. Which may be a good reason for sending them off to live on their own. 
the idea here, folks, is that number one, medication, when given to someone for whatever condition, will probably take care of the condition. It takes care of my high blood pressure. You can take medication for uh, diabetes. You can take medication for any number of things. Somebody has their thyroid taken out. You have to take Synthroid. You can t- you take medication, and it benefits you physically. It helps. It may help stimulate parts of your brain that make you impulsive. It may help control a little of that depression or anxiety. But you can't grow a conscience. You can't have someone begin to believe right and wrong unless they're taught how to do it. The other piece is don't drink this Kool-Aid where you think that you're being a good parent by doing everything for your kids because you're not. You're setting them up for failure. You're setting them up for failure. And that's something that we need to be aware of. And if we continue to do it, if we continue to do it, kids will get to school, they'll go to college, maybe they won't go to college. Maybe they won't know how to look for a job. You know, and then the parent and then the, the kid will be sold this bill of goods when they get older, and that'll be you know, because what'll happen is the kids will get mad at their parents, like this guy here. He's mad he was mad at his father. I'm I'm sure there was more to this than him just cutting the allowance. This kid didn't know how to survive on his own. I'm talking about Thomas Gilbert Jr. So what happens? You get angry. Now, some people get angry, they go to therapy. And then you hear this line. Well, you know, your parents did the best with what they knew. Bull. So what does that mean? That means that they yeah, they should be, because they did the best with what they knew, they should be allowed to screw up their kids. And of course, parents have regret about what they've done. And some of the behaviors that they've either tolerated or the bailouts or the money given or whatever, they have regrets about that. But, you know, you can... Pull your kids aside at any age and sit them down and talk to them about those regrets and try to make adjustments. And, if, you know, it, it's that simple. We can't choose our parents. We have the parents that we have. And what they do to us I mean, we we forgive for them, but we'll never forgive. We forgive for ourselves, but we'll never forget some of the behaviors that we were allowed to get away with. That we wish we never were allowed to get away with. As a parent, hold your kids accountable for what they do. Don't let them fall into the trap of developing that private logic. 
that private logic that makes them feel entitled. Don't drink that Kool-Aid. And don't drink the Kool-Aid of believing that medication is what's going to solve the problem. A conscience solves the problem. And that's something that we have to work on. We have to change the way the kid thinks. And that takes time as kids get older. And obviously this lad here, Thomas Gilbert Jr., he certainly didn't have his thought process changed. And in my estimation, this was premeditation. And his thoughts overwhelmed him. He was mad at his dad because his dad cut his allowance. 34 years old getting an allowance. His dad cut the allowance. And he goes over to the house and he kills his father. Terrible. Terrible story. Very, very applicable here. And it's something that we need to be aware of as parents, teachers, or anybody. My name is Jim Burns. You've been listening to Anti-Bullying 101. Please visit my website at www.bullyproofclassroom.com. Check out the resources that are there, courses, articles, books. The store is there. You'll love it. The other thing is, in this episode description, this is part three in a 10-part series, you're going to find a link to a course that you could take. It's called Everybody Knows. Click on that. You can get into that course. Cost a couple bucks, but believe me, it's worth it. People are selling courses all over the place that are, you know, if you want to learn how to scuba dive or whatever. In this case, you know, this is a very, very good course that everyone can use and everyone should take. It's something that'll, and if you're a teacher, guess what? You'll get 20 uh, professional development hours from it. So take a look at that. My name is, once again, in case you missed it, my name is Jim Burns, and thank you for listening to Anti-Bullying 101.